Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello, this is Dr. Jim Morrow with Morrow Family Medicine, offices in Cumming and Milton, Georgia. We're here today for another episode of To Your Health, and I think it's going to be a great episode today. We're here on in the North Fulton Business Radio X studio on Windward Parkway. I'm here with John Ray. John's running the board and taking tweets and emails, and we'll talk about that in a second. How are you yeah. doing, John? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. You getting over that cold? I am. Thanks to the early office hours from my uh, family care physician. Great. <laughs> That's good to know. I'm glad to hear that. That's how I started coming to your place. Well, it's one of the best reasons. Well, absolutely, because I couldn't get into the, the the one I had wanted me to wait three days until I died, and then they would see me. Drives me crazy. I know, and then and that's how I got to you. So at Mara Family Medicine, we do have a walk-in hour every morning. We open at 730, and for the first hour of the day, you don't need an appointment. If you just walk in, we will take care of whatever's going on with you right then and there. We, uh, we see walk-ins every day, Monday through Friday, and that hour from – uh, 730 to 830 in the coming and the Milton office. And that way there's never a weekday you can't be seen in one of our offices. And we like to say that we're bringing care back to healthcare, and that's one of the ways that we're doing it. So this is our 19th episode of the podcast and radio show, and we're excited to be here again. We do have a couple of ways you can get in touch with us if you want to. You can email us at Dr. Jim, that's drjim, at toyourhealth.md, or you can tweet us at toyourhealthmd. So that's two ways you can get to us if you have uh, recommendations for a show or suggestions or comments about the show you're listening to at the moment. We try to gather some questions during the show and present those to you and come up with some answers at the end of the show every time. So today we're going to be talking about dementia. Uh, dementia in multiple forms. If people think about dementia, they immediately think Alzheimer's, but Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. It's not the only form. And we're lucky today to have with us a neurologist from coming, uh, Dr. Peter Futrell. Pete is the uh, neurologist, one of the two, with Lakeside Neurology in Cumming, Georgia. I've known Pete for about 20 years. Pete, how you doing? I'm great. Glad to be here with you guys today. I appreciate you doing this for us. So I was so a little inadequate because I don't have uh, I don't have uh, walk-in hours uh, from seven thirty to eight thirty every uh, weekday. And but you can start any time. Patients, but uh. <laughs> you, you can do that anytime you want to. I bet your people would be tickled <laughs> to death. But I will say I, I've been referring people to Pete Futrell for twenty plus years, and getting in to see him when you need somebody to take care of you from a neurologic standpoint has never been a problem. And I do appreciate the care you take of the people in North Georgia. So I started researching dementia a little bit because honestly it's something that family doctors are probably a little bit weak in i know i'm a little bit weak in that particular area and that's why i'm thankful that you're around but what i read said that during the age of, in the 70s and people's ages of 71 to 79 one in about 20 people will have dementia of some sort and 80 to 89 one in four and over 90 one in three and so with the population aging like it is this is an obviously increasing problem for everybody out there. It uh, it keeps us busy in the office. That's that's for sure. I know it does. So, so you, you, you you refer patients to us all the time, and uh, including for dementia, and, and of course appreciate that. And, but 
sorry, sorry to see the patients with it, but of course we try to help. And uh, yeah, there's there's no shortage of them out there, as you're as you're suggesting with those numbers. So, Pete, tell me, in, in your words, what exactly is dementia? Well, the term dementia just refers to a, uh, a progressive decline in cognition. So uh, people can have uh, cognitive issues or, or maybe just isolated memory issues for any number of reasons, but if it's not not a progressive thing, so for example, if somebody had a brain injury and they had some cognitive issues from that, that's not that's not dementia. That's a, that's a one-time event that happened to the brain. It, it can't affect them. It can be residual through their entire life, but it's not something that necessarily will get worse. Right. Dementia, on the other hand, uh, is progressive. Uh, as, you, as you said earlier, Several different forms. People always uh, equate dementia and Alzheimer's, but that's not always the case. It's usually the case, but but not always. And what are some of the other things that might go on in your body that can can make you have dementia? Well, that's probably a probably a long list. Um, <laughs> you know, when we see somebody who we at least suspect dementia, we of course always start looking. For the basic things first, as you know, uh, some of the simple metabolic issues, um, uh, thyroid disease is a, is a common one that can cause cognitive issues. Um, uh, if there's some undiagnosed kidney or liver problems, uh, those could at least mimic um, dementia. Um, of course, medications can cause some confusion. Sometimes it can be uh, hard to discern if it's medication effect or if it is dementia. Uh, as far as different forms of dementia, so there's the Alzheimer's, which is by far the, the most common, but uh, things like vascular dementia, which uh, occurs from usually multiple uh, strokes. Uh, there's frontal dementia. Uh, people with Parkinson's have a form of dementia that's not technically Alzheimer's, but very close to it. So a lot, a lot of different things to consider. Right, right. So if you suspect that a patient has dementia, other than what you would do in the office, are there other ancillary tests that you do to order CAT scans, MRIs, that kind of thing? Of course, yeah. And it depends on, as with anything in medicine, it depends on the patient, all the different variables, whether it's uh, age or medications or other other medical issues they might be having. Uh, obviously, in the office, we can... We can examine the patient. We can we can test their cognition. Uh, and, you know, probably most important, actually, is, is having a, a family member or someone else who can can provide history. Uh, obviously, if you have a patient who's having cognitive uh, issues, they're not always the best historians. Um, sometimes, because of course they don't remember, and other times they just don't have the insight and they're not aware of of even having a problem. Um, so that's what we do in the office: is the exam and, and history, of course. Um, after the office, it's checking checking lab work, like, for example, the thyroid we talked about. Uh, vitamin B12 deficiency is a, a common one that can, um, that can cause cognitive issues. Um, the imaging, uh, almost always, either CAT scan or MRI. Uh, and kind of depends on the patient's age and what else is going on with them, how we just decide if we choose one or the other. Uh, may do a, a EEG, electroencephalogram, looking at electrical activity in the brain. Um, it's at least uh, possible for uh, uh, some types of seizures to go undiagnosed and, and to manifest as cognitive issues. So that's always worth screening for. Uh, other than that, uh, one test I use a lot, and, and I think most neurologists would agree with me, is, is sending the patient for uh, formal uh, neuropsych or neuropsychological testing, uh, which is a, a battery of 
Repetitive test, as I tell patients, it's kind of putting your brain through the ringers, a kind of a stress test for your brain, looking at all forms of cognition, whether it's language, memory, concentration. And usually neuropsychologists is pretty good about sort of teasing out what might be causing the cognitive issues, whether it's dementia, um, mood issues that can certainly uh, fool you and, and, and uh, look like dementia when it's, when, for example, it might just be bad depression. So... We use all those things and kind of we'll put them in the pot and mix them up and, and see what it looks like when we got them all together. Right. So uh, in, in the office, I see people every day, seems like. I saw one this morning that was concerned about their memory. And he was having trouble, like everybody I know, I think, having trouble remembering why he went into the kitchen and and why he walked in the room and sometimes with people's names. And I think it's important for people to understand that that's not necessarily dementia. And can you tell me a little bit about how you delineate the two? Well, the, those two examples you gave are um, the names in particular is, is far and away the most common complaint that I get also for, for older folks is, uh, and, and, their, and their memory complaints is, is forgetting names. And then the, the classic, I went upstairs or I went to the kitchen to get something. And I don't remember why that, that's, Probably number two or three on the list as far as as far as memory memory complaints. But you're right. Uh, just because you have a little trouble with those things does not mean uh, it's dementia. Uh, depending on age, there's a certain amount of falling off that we we kind of allow. Um, uh, after that, uh, there's a kind of a stage of cognitive issues called mild cognitive impairment, which essentially just means you're 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 having more trouble with your memory than you should for your age, but it's not to an extent of of being dementia. Uh, those folks are important to keep an eye on, though, because that can, with some time, sort of switch into dementia. But no, just because you can't remember remember names is uh, definitely not that simple as uh, you know, being diagnosed with dementia right there. Right. And when someone is diagnosed with dementia, uh, I know it's important to get them on medication as quickly as possible. You know, if you start losing brain cells, which is what we're talking about, you're not going to get them back, so it's important to protect the ones you have. Um, medications, it seems like we've been using the same medications for this for a very long time. Uh, you are right. There has been um, nothing new for dementia, and I'd, I'd have to, I could probably look it up quickly, but the, the, uh, the, the, the most new thing we have for dementia has been out for, gosh, I bet 12 or 15 years. Um, uh, you're, cause you're right. We, we really have essentially comes down to four medications that we use for dementia. Three of them are very similar, and and uh, you would only use one at a time on a patient. And then there's uh, another one, uh, Memantine or Nemenda is the brand name, that can be used in conjunction with one of those other three. And that's, that's about what we have in our uh, armamentarium right now. And I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah, exactly. It is sad. And I'm sure there's a great deal of research going into that. But I think if you think about the brain and and how difficult it is to understand what's going up there, it makes it a little bit easier to understand why that's not something that's easy to figure out. What about as far as meds and things, though? What about things that you hear about on the radio? I, I hear the advertisement for meds all the time on the radio help your memory, prevent memory loss. Anything to that at all? Not, not that I've seen. Not, nothing that has uh, been proven sufficiently, at least for for me to recommend. Um, as I'm sure you do, I got 
plenty of patients asking about it. I hear it on the I hear it on the radio or see it advertised on the internet all the time. Um, kind of amazing what some of them purport to do, um, but I, I have not seen any of the supplements that have had, you know in a, in a reasonable study have been proven to have any benefit. So when patients ask me about it, I I, I caution against uh, because of the just the lack of proven efficacy and. I mean, quite simply, some of them are pretty expensive, and it's uh, they are, you know, especially the older folks are already already paying enough for medications, on enough medications and other supplements, and you throw more in the mix. And not only is it a cost issue, but then you might have to worry about interactions. And it just, as you know, the more medications people are on, the muddier the waters are. That's very, and, um, very true. I'd, I'd love for it to be the case. I tell patients all the time, boy, if somebody proves to me that eating this leaf over here or something will do the trick. I will be the first to not only recommend it, but take it myself. Right. Um, right. I just, I just don't see it yet. I, I wish I did. What about alcohol as far as bringing on dementia? Is there a relationship that you've seen there? Alcohol is a little bit of a funny one, just you know, with dementia, just like with, with other medical conditions, you always say, well, drinking in moderation helps uh, drinking you know, too much hurts. And that's probably the case for dementia, um, that, uh, that, that a little bit of alcohol may have some may have some benefit, actually, in preserving. Uh, I get I've seen mixed results about that. I don't think anybody would argue, though, that, that too much alcohol, and I'm not sure I can find too much alcohol, but too much alcohol absolutely can, can exacerbate dementia and, and, and even cause a form of dementia, the alcohol-induced dementia, that... Um, that we occasionally see, unfortunately not too often, but clearly can happen. One thing I get asked a good little bit in the office is about people that have a family history of dementia and they're concerned about that. Do you find that it runs in families? Do you find that it's hereditary? There's likely some genetic component. I'm, I'm not sure how strong that, that really is. Um, my, my, when I'm asked about it from patients, I, I explain that, uh, you know, if there's family members, especially multiple family members, then, you know, just it, it seems to be borne out and, and common sense would tell you that, yeah, your your risk is somewhat higher, but it's not one of the, certainly not a slam dunk like, oh, gosh, mom or dad had it. I, you know, the rest of us are going to get it, too. Um, that is that is not the case. Good, good. And once somebody's diagnosed with dementia, I know the progression can happen at all kinds of different rates. There's no way to really predict most of that. But um, what what would you tell or what do you tell caregivers to expect or that they need to understand about dealing with a patient that has dementia? Well, that's a, that's a big question there. Uh, <laughs> there's probably a lot of aspects uh, on that one. Um, you know, everybody wants to know where it's going from here. No question. That's, that's, one, of the, that's one of the top concerns is, all right, you just diagnosed my husband or my father with, with dementia. Um, what, what can we expect in a year or two years or whatever? Um, I, I dodge that question as best I can, usually from patients, because it's just so difficult. I, I have you know, my own patients, some of them that, that clearly have dementia, um, but it's been terribly slow, which is a good thing, um, that I've been following for many years, and I, I'm not sure I've seen that. A little bit of decline over that time, but not anything terribly significant. Uh, and then I got patients, including actually, ironically, just one I saw yesterday who, um, 
just really began having problems earlier this year, and, and, and now is uh, pretty pretty well advanced. Uh, you know, that's that's certainly not your your usual, but you see everything in everything in between. Uh, as far as what to tell family, otherwise, um, yeah, I guess the most important thing is to explain to them that it will get worse, even though you can't define over what time. Uh, this is something that is going to be worse at some point. Um, of course, this applies to any of us that you need to have your affairs in, in order, uh, whether you've been diagnosed with dementia or not. Um, that's always a good idea, but even probably more so in, if you can catch dementia early and, 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 uh, and get get to the attorneys and get your power of attorneys uh, and durable health care and all that. Um, then you got to worry about issues with driving and just, uh, just safety, uh, managing finances. Um, there's just there's so many things that, that come up. And, and I know one thing people a lot of times will – want to, I guess, argue is the best way to put it with a patient when they have dementia and they will, you know, be insistent that something hasn't happened or something has happened. And I've seen a lot of people uh, go through the problems with that. And I think it always seems best if they just kind of go with the flow instead of trying to correct people every time. Is that a decent piece of advice for them? Absolutely. I, I just, um, uh, wasn't this week, but last week, a patient of mine that I've been seeing for probably five or six years, uh, see, his, see his wife as well. And, and almost every time they're in, we we have this discussion about her getting frustrated with, with him over kind of the same thing. And as much as I love her, she, she's actually one of my favorite folks, but she just just sometimes just can't let it go. Just, you know, stirs that pot. And uh, I told her what I tell people all the time, you, you got to move on. You got to distract to a to a different subject. Um, you just uh, you know you're just asking for a whole lot more frustration. It's already bad enough, but if you let that frustration level get even higher, um, obviously that's not good for anybody involved, pa- patient or or family. And uh, you know I, I just remind people that it's it's not the it's not their loved one. It's not it's not really the patient who's who's trying to be frustrating. Uh, right. So yeah, they they just don't know they're doing it and. Um, Sometimes people have a kind of hard time getting their head around that. Yeah, I can Probably imagine. Been with them for fifty years, and and uh, I've known them, and this is such a change. It's uh, you know it's hard to deal with. Of course, understood. Do you see more dementia in men or women? Is there a gender split? Um, it seems to me in my practice uh, more women, and, and I and I and I believe the research would show that it's more women than men as well. Hmm. Makes you wonder I'm if that sure has anything to do. I'm with. not sure I know why. I'm probably, yeah. I probably knew at some point why that might be, but I, off the top of my head, I don't. I don't know. What I know we could chat about why and guess about why for a long time, but the truth is, we just don't know enough about this particular disease. That's the bottom line. Well, that's the bottom line, and I'm sure that you know, that's at least somewhat limiting um, the treatment options that we that we have. You know, every we talking about medications earlier, we every now and then you you hear about something that. It sounds like it might be coming out and, and it's promising and I'll be damned if not, you know, two months later, it, you know, the studies dropped because of some safety concern. Right. And uh, right. that, that's just with dementia that just, uh, seems like that's happened way too much is, which is why I guess we're stuck in this, 
this rut we are right now with the very limited options. Well, that's actually something I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you if there's something on the horizon that you anticipate coming out in the next three to five years. Um, I'd love to be more optimistic, but I'm, I'm not sure I've seen anything here, at least recently, that looks like it has the, the, the numbers and the momentum behind it to, uh, to, to, to be available to us anytime real soon, which right. uh, obviously is not what I'd like to say and not like what people like to hear, but um, um, that's, that's at least uh, my experience. Well, what about reducing your risk of developing dementia? And I've, and this it's not really funny, but I thought I'd already asked that, but I guess I forgot. But <laughs> what, what what can we I do? Can't to, see I can't see it between seven thirty and eight thirty tomorrow because we don't have them walking hours. But I can probably get you in later in the morning. It's because you're still in the bed at seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> I so, don't think so. So what what can what can people do to help keep this from being a problem of theirs? Well, that, that's another one that's mixed. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, a month or two goes by where somebody doesn't come up with, well, there's there's this diet or taking uh, anti-inflammatories or um, you know, keeping your sugar under control. And, and, and not that all these things aren't necessarily good things, but um, all the time they seem to come out that, that, that seem to maybe help the risk of dementia down the road. Um, another one I see, and we've seen in the past is, you, using using your mind as you as you get older and trying to stave off dementia, yeah, um, use it that, or lose one, it. That's one, right? And that's one that I would I would love to say there's better numbers on that too. Um, as I explain to patients, uh, it's certainly not going to hurt to to stay, you know, obviously physically active and mentally active. Um, but uh, I think some of them seem to think that if they can just do enough, they, they'll they'll keep it away. And uh, unfortunately, if it's it's going to come. It's going to come. You might you might delay it. Uh, you might make it slower, um, but not necessarily going to stop it from stop it from coming. You mentioned anti-inflammatory. I, I wish I wish the brain was like a muscle where you can see to the physical therapist and work on your balance and get you stronger and you know do that for your brain. Exactly. Uh, but it, yes. It just comes down to it's not that simple apparently. And I forgot the question I was going to ask. Again, that's so not. We may need to advance that. We may need to move, to move that be, one up. To I'll be there. I'll be there at seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> How long is it going to take you to get from Windward? <laughs> not long this time of day. So, uh, what about the memory care units? We're blessed in the area to have, and I think across the country, there, there's an assisted living place on every street corner. Seems like, and then most of them have a memory care unit. Um, do you feel like society has handled? the aging population and the increasing patients with dementia as well as they could? Is there something we could do better? This is, this is not a medical question. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's one that I actually kind of had that discussion with a, a patient just, just this morning or, or, or the, the caregiver actually, uh, who was actually just more frustrated with, with, um, uh, her loved one, Staying home and, and having more resources there. Um, you know, th- you know, these assisted livings with the, the lockdown memory care units, so we don't have to worry about patients wandering off. Fantastic. Um, as you pointed out, uh, you can barely turn a corner now with without there being a being one. Um, and you know, they certainly seem to seem to provide a service. Um, but of course, a lot of people want to, for a lot of reasons, uh, expense being one of them. 
because uh, assisted living for memory carriers are, are not cheap. Uh, you know, right. loved ones want to want to keep their 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 family their family member with them, uh, not just for obviously for cost, but just because best to have your family around. And um, you know, it, it probably is for the patient. If it weren't for safety issues, it'd be probably better to be in in um, in a familiar environment. Sometimes that environment's just not safe because patients wandering off and stairs and family finding them, you know, two miles down the road in the middle of the night. Um, right. So it, it, I'm not sure what the answer is as far as having some, some better um, in-home care that's affordable. But um, a lot of people would appreciate that if it was, if it was more of an option. Well, I re- you'll be glad to know that I remembered the other question. You were talking about anti-inflammatories and keeping sugar under control. Is there anything at all to be said for taking statins? Is there anything at all that has anything to do with dementia? Well, that's that's the like all. I mean, I sound like I'm saying the same thing every time, but it's it's just the way it is. Um, you know, mixed blessings. I've I've, I've seen uh, studies uh, indicating that, that at least some of the statins uh, might help to to uh, prevent dementia and, and help uh, prevent some of this uh, buildup of the proteins in the, in the brain that occurs with Alzheimer's. But then uh, some of the statins, in, in a very small number of patients, some seem to seem to actually cause some, some cognitive decline. Uh, fortunately, it seems like it, it probably uh, uh, resolves if they're off the medication. But um, it's just kind of interesting that it can, can cause some, some mental changes, but on the other hand, might long-term help to might help to prevent. I'm going to say might. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I try not to let patients make decisions based on that because that those numbers just aren't solid enough. And, and the reason they're taking statins is so that they can avoid having their stroke or their heart attack. Right. And uh, those things are much more likely to happen. And and you know, I hate to have have patients stop the medicines for for the maybe some issue concerns about cognition when we don't want them having that heart attack or stroke. I got gotcha. you. Well, that's great, and that's really all the things I had that I wanted to talk to you about, and our time's about up. But John, I believe, has some questions that people have sent in that we'd like to run by you. A couple for you, uh, if if we can. So one is for a person who has a parent in this case, and they're, they're really, they don't know, they think there may be a dementia issue, but they're kind of concerned about maybe broaching that with, with the parent. So, um, because they don't want to be, um, they want to get them taken care of, but they don't, you know, want to alarm them. Right. So how, 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 how should that, um, how should they approach that issue? What do you suggest? Yeah, I'm not sure how, not sure how Jim handles that one. I'm sure he's run into it too. Uh, from my standpoint, um, you know, that, that that's a concern patients uh, families all the time more worried about how their how their loved one is gonna is gonna take the news or is even willing to accept the news um, you know what other than other than sitting down and trying to explain that you're you have some concern and that um, you think it needs to be checked out and and hey if you see the doctor and, and everything's fine like you think it is well great not, nothing's lost but can we at least go have it looked into? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure I have a better, better way of handling it, but well, I think that that's is definitely something, definitely something that can get to be a, 
uh, a friction point. I've, I've seen that too many times uh, with uh, there's a reason why sometimes I see the patients and the family separate because it's just the subject that causes a big rift. It, it is, and, and that's something that I'll encourage people to lay it on me and to bring them into the office and let me bring up the point that I'm seeing some things about memory that I'm concerned about. And I think we need to try some medication, do some tests and so forth. And invariably, they're going to end up in a neurologist's office. But um, I think it's just so easier. I bad guy ultimately. Ultimately, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think it's it's something that the the family needs to feel free to bring them to somewhere. And they're usually going to start with us and not going to start with you in most cases. Um, right. And and so, you know, to keep them from being the bad guy, I think it's important that they just come in and, and let me broach the subject same way with driving i get asked and i know you do too i get asked all the time to tell daddy that he can't drive anymore and uh usually if you bring them in and you can can make a point of reflexes and so forth you can make a good point with them and get them to not not drive anymore john well you took the words right in my mouth i was going to say driving is the other big uh bone of contention that we have to be the bad guy about yeah it's uh, huge yeah that's huge it impacts too many people one other question here uh, uh, surrounds incidents at, at seemingly earlier ages. Um, this person is citing the Pat Summit case, you know, the, the uh, Tennessee women's basketball coach, and uh, I guess she had early onset Alzheimer's in her 50s. Um, is, it, is it just um, – coincidental or i mean i mean it's or anecdotal i mean are we seeing more dementia and alzheimer's cases uh earlier in uh, age and stage than we have used to see 10 or 20 years ago well i can i mean i can speak for the last 20 years so i'll be quick to point out jim can can talk to a little bit longer than that um but um I, I don't in my practice I haven't seen I don't think an uptick in the in the earlier patients I, I think the patients I have in mid or late fifties with it now um, I don't think that number's uh, a whole lot different than it was twenty years ago when I started um, that's just that's my own experience um, others may see otherwise but I'm, I'm not not seeing an epidemic of of fifty uh, two year olds coming down with dementia I'll put it that way well good good. So we've been talking with Dr. Peter Futrell, neurologist with Lakeside Neurology in Cumming, Georgia. Peter, I want to thank you for taking the time to to be with us today. I really appreciate this. I think this is the kind of thing that that many, many families are dealing with and that might benefit them to listen to the podcast. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this with us. Well, not a problem. I'm sorry I couldn't join you in the studio there, but happy to help, of course. Good to have you anyway. Thanks very much. So for now, this is To Your Health.